Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 260. Today's big Bible question is, how do we trust God when we are afraid? So, hello, friends. Happy Saturday to you. We have some great reader feedback to get to, so we'll just use that as our opener and skip all the banter from me today. Hooray. Podcast listener and friend Jesse Top Secret W writes in with a couple of comments. Actually, a question and a comment. Question first. He says this. Curious question. And by the way, he posted this on our website as a comment. BibleReadingPodcast.com. BibleReadingPodcast.com. If you've got a question or a comment or something like that, just go post it as a comment on any one of our entries and I will get that notification and see your question or comment. So Jesse says, curious question. 1 Samuel 21, David acts like a madman, drooling over his beard and acting crazy, such that Achish, king of Gath, asks his men why they brought this crazy person to him. Then in 1 Samuel 27, 1-12, David again flees to the Philistines and King Achish. So how is it that David lives in Gath with his two wives and 600 men and mentions in verse 5 that he has found favor with Achish? What is the explanation of why a madman would now find favor with King Achish? Well, that's a fascinating question for us to deal with today, Jesse, because we are reading Psalm 56 today, which is a psalm, quote, for the choir director according to A Silent Dove Far Away which is a mitcam of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Now, unlike most chapter titles in the Bible, the titles of the Psalms, like the one I just read, are actually part of the Holy Scriptures. And this tells us that initially, David was, in fact, seized by the Philistines. They didn't receive him at first, but captured him in 1 Samuel 21, took him to the king, And that chapter in Samuel doesn't explicitly indicate he was captured. But that little factoid doesn't answer your question, although Psalm 34 might, might have a clue in it. Psalm 34 says in the introduction concerning David when he pretended to be insane in the presence of Abimelech who drove him out and he departed. Verses 1 through 4 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Now, this passage indicates that it was God who rescued David, not his silly spitting-on-his-beard ploy, which, by the way, for the record, historically speaking, any man who dribbled or drooled on his beard at that time would have almost immediately been considered as crazy because at the time, a man took great care of his beard and would never in his right mind have done something like that. Well, could that psalm where David is giving credit to God for rescuing him indicate somehow that God inspired David's 
Madman Ruse. Well, maybe, maybe not, but we know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. It was God who did the rescuing. Now, it's worth remembering here that when all this happened, David was not in a place of making great decisions. He lied to the priest Ahimelech and fled to Gath, the place of his greatest enemies. Now, maybe the fear of being chased by Saul was gnawing at his mind and certainly contributing to those poor decisions. Unfortunately, The Bible does not fully explain the second part of your question. Why did Achish eventually trust David and honor him and bless him with a whole city in Ziklag? I mean, David was A, at least partially crazy, or at least he was, and B, he was an enemy. In a human sense, perhaps Achish thought David's insanity was an explanation for his defection from the Hebrews, and maybe he just thought it wise, Akish that is, not to look a gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. If the equivalent of a Heisman Trophy winning warrior and commander such as David wanted to play football for the Philistines for a season, then Coach Akish was pragmatic enough to bring him on board and hand him the football and say, go play ball, young man. In a divine sense, though, however, I am quite certain that God prevailed on Akish's heart and caused all of these things to work together for good. Now, Jesse also writes, Shredded wheat makes a large biscuit cereal like Wheat Bix. Time for a taste test between the two? And that is an excellent point. Jesse, so I went to Amazon to see if I could find some original massive biscuit size shredded wheat, the kind that's unsweetened, yuck. But uh, the cheapest box I found was $8.69. And I have a personal rule that I will not spend over $5 on a box of cereal unless it's a really, 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 really special box of cereal. And... I've never even spent close to $8.69 on a box of cereal. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go look for yellow box shredded wheat without sugar, big biscuit size at our local grocery store. I think I've actually seen it at Star Market. And I'm going to pick up a box and maybe we'll have a review sometime soon if the roof of my mouth can handle it. Next comment from our friend White Where What Huh who said this from the episode, also where we talked about wheat bix He said, if you decide to review Vegemite, I'm told that you should apply it thinly and taste it gingerly. Well, that's good advice, where what, huh? I have never tried Vegemite, but I believe I would enjoy at least trying it, although I do hear it has a strong taste. Where what, huh, continues... Also, I think that last remark on 1 Corinthians 15 was a pre-chase doctrine, a Don Francisco lyric from the 80s, if I recall. Very meta to embed a passage in a discussion of an embedded passage. Well, I'm glad you picked that up. WWH, uh, because that was indeed from a Don Francisco song. He's Alive, one of my favorites. And a bit of trivia for you, He's Alive won the Dove Song of the Year for 1980. Where What Huh also has a good comment for us. He says, a quick note on Ish-bosheth, who was the son of Saul that became king. Bosheth means shame. Ish-bosheth's name was originally Ish-baal, but the author of First and Second Corinthians did not want to admit that 
that a king of Israel had given his son a name compounded with Baal, thus they substituted shame, creating the shameful name Ish-bosheth. Well, those are some fantastic insights and comments. Where, what, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that with everybody. That's good stuff. And I did not know that about Ishbosheth. And if I did know that, I've long since forgotten it. Our Bible readings for the day include the aforementioned Psalm 56, which is our focus passage for the day, plus Psalm 57, 2 Corinthians 1, Ezekiel 15, and 2 Samuel 1, which, shocker of shockers, nobody dies. So our Bible question is an important and very practical one. David, in a situation facing enemies on every side, proclaims, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And indeed, David did just that. He entrusted the Lord when he was in fra- when he was afraid. But that is something that is most certainly easier said than done. So how practically do we trust in the Lord when we are afraid? Doesn't the very nature of fear and being afraid actually make it more difficult for us to trust the Lord in that moment? I know it does for me. Well, let's go read Psalm 56 and 57, and then we will discuss how to not be afraid. Psalm 56, verse 1, Be gracious to me, God, for a man is trampling me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day. For many arrogantly fight against me. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? They twist my words all day long. All their thoughts against me are evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps while they wait to take my life. Will they escape in spite of such sin? God, bring down the nations in wrath." You yourself have recorded my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know, God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? I am obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thanksgiving sacrifices to you, for you rescued me from death, even my feet from stumbling, to walk before God in the light of life. Amen. Psalm 57, verse 1. Be gracious to me, God, be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I call to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. Selah. God sends his faithful love and truth. I am surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. They prepared a net for my steps. I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell into it. Selah. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Amen. Now, I may have told this story before, and if I have, forgive me, but after 260 episodes, it's kind of easy to look 
lose track may be surprisingly easy. About 12 years ago, I went through a significant and extended season of fear for really the first time in my life for one so long. I was kind of a basket case, but because, you know, I was a pastor, I felt like I had to put on a brave brave face and sort of hide it. The majority of the fear hit me at night, and that's when it was really crippling. I tossed and turned and fretted in bed so much that I just stopped sleeping in bed with my wife, not at her request, just so I wouldn't keep her awake, and I slept on the floor, basically. Eventually, that season passed. I don't know how long it took, but quite a while. But the only way I was able to make it through it all was the same way David did, pretty much every time that fear hit me, I sought to put my trust in the Lord. And for me, that looked like getting into the Word of God and reading chapter after chapter and just praying. Some nights I literally fell asleep on the Bible with it open in my bed, or actually my pad on the floor. As we have discussed before, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God, says Paul in Romans, and I was, at the time, lacking greatly in faith, so I had to go constantly to the source of faith, the Word of God, and consume it daily, multiple times a day. I was like a person on heavy oxygen and life support, but my life support was the Word of God. Now, I think this is how David did did it, too trusting in God through his word, because we kind of see it all through Psalm 56 in verses like uh, verse 10 and 11, which says, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? Well, let's turn to our old friend Charles Spurgeon for the final word on how to trust God when we are afraid. And he says, David says, I am afraid. Admire his honesty in making this confession. Some men would never have owned that they were afraid. They would have blustered and said they cared for nothing. Generally, there is no greater coward in this world, says Spurgeon, than the man who will never own that he is afraid. But this hero of a thousand conflicts, this brave scion of the sons of men, David, honestly says, I am afraid. I know your fears, doubts your tremblings, and let me whisper in your ear this word, says Spurgeon. Now that you are afraid, put your trust in Jesus. Christ came to save sinners such as you are with all your fear. Now, while your fears toss you back and forth, go to Jesus. While the raging billows roll, while the tempest still is high. Hang all your weight upon the lover of your souls now. Do not wait till you get rid of your fears and then go to him. Go now. I'm going to read that again because that was so good. Hang all of your weight upon the lover of your souls now. Do not wait till you get rid of your fears and then go to him. Go now. A lady was once walking in the field and a bird flew right into her chest. She wondered why the little lark came resting there, but looking up, she saw a hawk in the air. It had pursued the little bird, which, though it would have been quite afraid at any other time to find shelter where it did find it, had by the greater fear of its enemy been driven out of the lesser fear. She to whom it fled for refuge cared for it, cherished it, and set it free." So may it be with you. Let your great fears of hell overcome that fear that you have sometimes had that perhaps Jesus may reject you. Fly into his bosom. Oh, but I fear that he will reject me. Well, then I trust that your other fears will get so great as to overcome this fear of rejection. 
John Bunyan says that his fear of hell at last became so terrible that if Jesus Christ had stood with a naked sword in his hand or if he had held a pike to him, he would have run on the point of the pike and would always rather go to an angry Christ than to be cast into hell. But believe me, says Spurgeon, Christ is not angry. He holds no pike and sword in his hand. This is his word of promise. Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Aged sinner, you who have been a great transgressor, whoever you may be, if you come and simply cast yourself upon the blessed Savior who on the cross offered himself up for human guilt, you will be saved. Amen. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I dare to say these ancient words this day from the depths of my soul. I am afraid of my sin. I am afraid of my unworthiness. I never live a day but when I have a reason to be afraid. If I had to stand all by myself, I should be afraid to stand before God. If I had never done anything in my life but preach this one sermon, there have been so many imperfections and faults in it that I am afraid to place any reliance upon it. But my Lord Jesus, you are my soul's only hope. I trust entirely in you. Beloved, says Spurgeon, have this same faith. May God work it in you, and then your fear shall only drive you closer to your Lord. And so the fear and the faith shall go on hand in hand together for a while, till at last perfect love will come in and take the place of fear, and then faith and love will go hand in hand to heaven. May the Lord bless every one of you for Jesus' sake. Amen. We continue in Second Samuel 7, verse 1. When the king had settled into his palace and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I am living in a cedar house while the ark of God sits inside tent curtains. So Nathan told the king, Go and do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go to my servant David and say, This is what the Lord says. Are you to build me a house to dwell in? From the time I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until today, I have not dwelt in a house. Instead, I have been moving around with a tent is my dwelling. In all my journeys with all the Israelites, have I ever spoken a word to one of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, asking... Why haven't you built me a house of cedar? So now this is what you are to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of armies says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make a great name for you, like that of the greatest on the earth. I will designate a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evildoers will not continue to impress, oppress them as they have done. Ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you a descendant who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and blows from mortals. But my faithful love will never leave him as it did when I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported all these words in this entire vision to David. Then King David went in, sat in the Lord's presence and said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? 
What you have done so far was a little thing to you, Lord God, for you have also spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. And this is a revelation for mankind, Lord God. What more can David say to you? You know your servant, Lord God, because of your word and according to your will, you will have revealed all these great things to your servant. This is why you are great, Lord God. There is none like you, and there is no God beside you, as all we have heard confirms. And who is like your people, Israel? God came to one nation on earth in order to redeem a people for himself, to make a name for himself, and to perform for them great and awesome acts, driving out nations and their gods before your people you redeemed for yourself from Egypt. You established your people, Israel, to be your own people forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. Now, Lord God, fulfill the promise forever that you have made to your servant and his house. Do as you have promised so that your name will be exalted forever when it is said, the Lord of armies is God over Israel. The house of your servant David will be established before you since you, Lord of armies, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant when you said, I will build a house for you. Therefore, your servant has found the courage to pray this prayer to you. Lord God, you are God. Your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, please bless your servant's house so that it will continue before you forever. For you, Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing, your servant's house will be blessed forever. Ezekiel 15, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, how does the wood of the vine, that branch among the trees of the forest, compare to any other wood? Can wood be taken from it to make something useful? Or can anyone make a peg from it to hang things on? In fact, it is put into the fire as fuel. The fire devours both of its end and the ends in the middle is charred. Can it be useful for anything? Even when it was a whole, it could not be made into a useful object. How much less can it ever be made into anything useful when the fire has devoured it and it is charred? Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire is fuel, so I will give up the residents of Jerusalem. I will turn against them. They may have escaped from the fire, but it will still consume them. And you will know that I am the Lord when I turn against them. I will make the land desolate because they have acted unfaithfully. This is the declaration of the Lord God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the suffering, so you will also share in the comfort. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. 
He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. While you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. Indeed, this is our boast. The testimony of our conscience is that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially towards you with godly sincerity and purity, not by human wisdom, but by God's grace. For we are writing nothing to you other than what you can read and also understand. I hope you will understand completely, just as you have partially understood us, that we are your reason for pride, just as you are also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. Because of this confidence, I plan to come to you first, so that you could have a second benefit, and to visit you on my way to Macedonia, and then to come to you again from Macedonia, and be helped by you on my journey to Judea. Now, when I plan this, was I of two minds? Or what I plan, do I plan in a purely human way, so that I say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus, Timothy, and I, did not become yes and no. On the contrary, in him it is always yes. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. Now it is God who strengthens us together with you in Christ and who has anointed us. He also has put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. I call on God as a witness on my life that it was to spare you that I did not come to Corinth. I do not mean that we lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy because you stand firm in your faith. Amen. And brothers and sisters, may we stand firm in faith today, though we might be afraid, trusting in him, in his word, in the faith that comes from his word, in the faith that comes through the Son of God. May he strengthen you and bless you. Godspeed.